Hello, everybody. Dr. Rick Wallace here dropping in on you. Hope that everybody is having a great day. Uh, hopefully, we don't have too many technical difficulties. But I wanted to stop by and talk about something that I thought I was done with. I, uh, when this first happened, this whole uh, Gail King thing happened with. Uh, the Lisa Leslie interview, I thought at that time that me addressing it and dealing with it, I was pretty much done with it. But that's been a fallout and a developing and stronger division along certain lines uh, that I think deserves a little more attention. Um, first and foremost, um, something I'm going to start with this. First of all, I'm going to ask you guys to definitely support the work we're doing at the Odyssey Project. I'm going to get that out of the way. Uh, support the work we're doing. I'm going to uh, share the information that you need to support it. It's it's there in the chat. It's in the description box. Uh, let's move on. I'll talk about it maybe a little later, uh, but we definitely need your support. Don't forget to support the work we're doing. All right, with that out of the way, look, first and foremost, um, I addressed um, what I call uh, complete betrayal. Uh, I didn't expect anything different from Gail. Uh, I don't expect anything different from Oprah. Uh, I'm going to attempt to address some of the things that have been said and concerns. First and foremost, I addressed it without calling her out of her name. I addressed it without any type of personal or physical threat. I think we do need to have a code of conduct, a code of honor, a code of responding to uh, race traders. I think that that needs to be a higher expectation placed on those of us who are black. But I want to talk about it from a number of different perspectives. I'm going to do this as quickly as I possibly can, but I don't want to rush through it because I want to make sure that I'm not misunderstood. Personally, I don't condone uh, some of the things that I've seen, not because I have any respect or regard for um, Gail King in particular, I see her as an enemy. One of the things that I have written and said for years, one of the things that when I do see people quoting me is probably the thing that pops up the most. And that is uh, the greatest um, enemy or the greatest force in this world or the greatest threat to black progression is a black person with a white agenda, period, bar none. Uh, this is something you have to also understand that black people in high places, black faces in high places have been used for decades as a means of controlling the masses and directing uh, narratives and misinforming the masses to keep us in line. Uh, matter of fact, for a great deal of his uh, 
activist career, Dr. Martin Luther King was actually used as a mechanism of misinformation and misdirection. It was when he discovered that that was what was being, what was taking place. And he decided to move towards black empowerment, black economic empowerment, holding holding the government and the white supremacist structure responsible uh, for how it had built its economic advantages by demanding reparations and also by demanding an equal access platform. He was killed uh, with the government having, the U.S. government having been proved in 1999 to be a part of the conspiracy and plot to take his life. So we have seen this for years. Uh, some of the ones we celebrate greatly were major contributors to the downfall and destruction of Black progress. Uh, W.E.B. Du Bois played a major role in the bringing down of Marcus Garvey. Uh, we need to be aware of how our own people are used in a way to control and uh, manipulate us. And we need to understand that there are those who have received their standing within the right white community by being willing to uh, be able, uh, be willing to be a part of the misinformation uh, network of black uh, quote unquote leaders. And so it's, it, it needs to be understood that a great deal of the pushback isn't simply because Gail went after Kobe. It's because it's a part of a pattern. The first thing you have to look at is, is it's a part of a pattern. It's a pattern that her and Oprah specifically have practiced with this Me Too uh, movement uh, in which there are plenty, and matter of fact, far more white men who have been accused of rape, uh, molestation, sexual uh, assault, sexual abuse, uh, sexual harassment, and yet their focus has been solely on targeting Black people, with the latest person being Kobe, but before that, Oprah was getting ready to take a shot at Russell Simmons, and because of the pushback, uh, reeled that back in and stepped away from it. Uh, and this isn't about defending anybody that's done something that's harmful to a woman. Anybody that knows me knows my wife's history. And, and, and even before I got with my wife, I've just never been someone that was willing to condone that type of behavior because I know the force and destruction uh, that stands behind it in the black community. I know that one of the biggest elephants in the room when it comes to the black community is incest, uh, childhood sexual abuse and the uh, damage that's being done. Uh, what I know that many don't know is that while it is obvious that it has devastated our female population, that many of our men suffered from it too. And so we deal with this in a way that probably no other group has because of how it came out of slavery. So I don't take it lightly. I don't give anybody a pass. I have no problem with that being a cause for death in a black code. I, you don't bring harm to our women and our children, period. So this isn't what this is about. What it's about is understanding who Gail King is and what she was doing. First of all, we have to look at the totality of it. Everybody's talking about, okay, we're going overboard. Number one is I don't condone the death threats, not because I have a regard for Gail but because I have a regard for how we are going to be viewed and how we're going to be taken. And if we're going to be taken seriously, I think that we don't need to act emotionally. I think we need to call a spade a spade. I think that those of us 
who are aware of what's going on have a responsibility to step up and speak truth to power unapologetically without any regard for what's being said or what may come. Uh, I've done my best to do that over the years, is to call it what it is and take the consequences. I lost the channel uh, doing that. And we're rebuilding on it, but I'm going to speak truth to power. I am not going to cower. I'm not going to take sides on uh, on, on anything. I'm going to speak truth and right. What's 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 right for my people is what's right for me. Uh, and so that's what I'm going to stand on. And so the first thing we have to look at is there's a history and a pattern. We're looking at patterns. We're not simply looking at this. Again, I don't condone the death threats. I have an issue personally with calling black women, even those that I don't claim uh, because I classify them as race traitors. I have a problem. If you notice, you never hear me use the word coon when referring to black men that I don't care for because I know they are working against us. I just refuse to use those words. If I'm going to talk about it, I'll talk about how I feel about them in private with other black people where white people have no excess. I don't want white people seeing me tear down any black man because it will be used as a mechanism of division at some point. That's how all these beefs get started between us is that we don't realize that some white people picks up on white white person picks up on it, pretending to be black through their profile and pushes it out there, makes it something it's not. And it blows up and then our egos get in the way and we start defending our position and attacking. I am going to call a spade a spade when I sit up and I see something being done that I know is not for the benefit of my people. I'm going to call a spade a spade. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to speak on it. It's that simple. Now, here's the thing. Something my grandfather taught me a long time ago. He said, hey, hey, boy, sit down. I'm going to talk to you. Those of you who know me know that my great grandfather uh, and my great grandmother reared me. They adopted me and reared me. So uh, I was adopted and reared by my grandmother's parents. So he said, I said, sit down, boy, I'm going to tell you something. He says something you should know. He said that when you violate somebody's space in any kind of way, whether you hit them, spit on them, kick them, say something negative behind their back, do something to bring them harm in any way, you lose total control of dictating how they respond to it. In other words, that, that was his idea floating around. We were talking about something where Somebody punched somebody and that person picked up a stick and hit them back or somebody slapped somebody, somebody punched them back. And the thing is, I only punched you and you hit me with a stick. And what my grandfather was saying is once you violate somebody, you don't get to determine how the pushback comes, how the retaliation comes. You may punch a person once. You don't get to say you only get to hit me back once. That person's probably going to beat the brakes off of you if they they have the capacity. Um, I agree with Ellen. First and foremost, just because there are supposedly death threats doesn't mean that there are actually death threats. These are misinformation queens. Uh, it's easy to sit out there and say that, you know, let's see some of the threats. And then easy to, it's easy to create uh, profiles and push that stuff out there. But, you know, I don't find it necessarily hard to believe. You got to remember, we live in a culture where uh, people have literally uh, sent out death threats, uh, sent out death threats for how series since uh series uh uh ended how series ended you know they were unhappy with the ending of a series or they were unhappy with the uh I've heard actors say a lot of times you know hey man I'm getting death threats and I'm just playing a role we live in that type of world so to think that it's impossible uh that she received death threats 
I don't think it's impossible. I think it's likely, but is it is it for sure? I don't know. And it's irrelevant to me. Uh, that's your business. But my whole thing is, if you did get death threats, if you got people calling you out of your name, if you got that, whether I agree with it or not, and 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 you know, if do I believe uh, that is likely? I think it's likely, but do I know for sure? Uh, I know Snoop uh, definitely said, "I'm, I'm we're gonna roll up on you" or whatever he said, uh, and. That can be taken a lot of ways. Uh, anybody who knows the streets knows what that means. Uh, did he mean it literally? Uh, he, he said, "Until I'm going to keep riding on you until I see you, and I'm going to let you know then how I feel about you. So you got to put all of that together. My thing is this. Here's the thing, though. You don't get to take that shot whether it's journalism, whether it's whatever you feel, you're saying it was a professional responsibility, but you don't get to take that shot and then dance behind the shadows and say, uh, you can't come at me. Yes, journalism is journalism. You get to go out there and you call things, but we know for sure that people are going to ride on you if they don't agree with you. And for the people who are saying that the men that are going after her don't go after white people, you haven't been paying attention. That's a narrative that white media puts out that we read too easy, that black men don't go after white men and white women and all that. Because if you go back and check, old chick from the D.C. media that came out and said something about Kobe's rape right after he died, got rolled so hard, she got suspended. I think she got her job back, though. But they rode on her. They rode on that senator from Pennsylvania. They rode on somebody else that said something. Anybody that has said something got rode on. Ain't nobody sitting around saying anything about Kobe and hadn't got rode on. But that's the first thing that comes out is we don't ride on why I call a spade a spade no matter who does it. And I'm going to go harder at black people because we got them. They are who they are. I expect white media to do stuff but I don't expect them to be able to use black people to do it. So yes, I'm going to go harder at the black person. I, I I didn't really go hard at Gail because I don't consider her to be a black person. I consider her to be a melanated person who doesn't identify with blackness. Look at what her and Oprah have done over the years. Who have they catered to? Oprah's show were white middle-class women. Look at what the situation, my situation is this. You are friends, buddy, buddies. You take selfies with Harvey Weinstein. So you know the man, you spend time with him, you befriend him. There's even some things that are going on that I'm actually researching now that leads to the idea that Oprah was leading some people to Harvey Weinstein, knowing that they were going to end up on his casting couch, quote unquote. Now, that is still in the development of our research. I'm trying to verify, but it's coming from multiple sources that she knew what he was doing. And she, in some ways, contributed to it. But we're not even on that yet. Here's what we are on. This is a man you know. You got him on speed dial on your phone. You haven't set up an interview with him. You haven't asked him anything about what he's going through. He's got two criminal cases going right now in New York, too. In New York. He's already settled several. Now, uh, this is being more than just credibly accused. This is being charged and actually in a trial in one case right now. In, in trial. Now we'll see how that turns out, but you haven't talked to him about it. You haven't, haven't, you haven't set up an interview. You're not asking Harvey. You're not, you, you didn't sit up before Jeff. 
uh, Epstein was killed. You didn't ask him. Uh, the the, the uh, New York anchor, the, the guy that uh, I can't think of his name, that that's real big that, you know, you didn't ask any of these guys for an interview. That's what a lot of people are having a problem about. Have the same smoke that you got for these black cats that you're going at. And, and, and like I said, in some cases, reasonably so, if they are violating young black women or whatever, and, they, and, and they're doing that, they got every right uh, to go after whoever is doing that. But you got to be, you got to, you got to play it right. You got to be honest. You got to be fair. But see, we know who controls the media. We know exactly who controls the media and we know who controls the reins and we know who is able to reel them in, even over with Oprah with our 2.6 billion. At least that's what it was last time I looked. But even with that, you can be reeled in and she knows this. She knows what they're capable of doing. And so you're not going after them. You're going after the low hanging fruit. My problem is the same way that Oprah did with Michael Jackson. You went after him posthumously. Mike was your boy while he was alive. After he died, you let some people who came in who have been proven to be fakes and frauds get you gassed up and do something about Mike that proved to be absolutely unfounded and untrue to the point that they went into hiding that the lies were so horrible and was able to be disproved. And yet you aired that with all the resources you had, you could have vetted that way better than you did. You let them come on and tell those lies on Mike when Mike was not here to defend himself. Same thing with Kobe. Gail, there are pictures of Gail hanging out with Kobe post-2003, doing interviews with Kobe and his family post-2003. That was your chance to ask Kobe while Kobe was alive, but you knew Kobe had the capacity to articulate. He wasn't a dumb jock. He knew how to speak. He spoke what he said. He meant what he said, and he stood on it. You knew you couldn't come at it. He was a real man. You might not have liked his choice in wife's. I had a, it personally had an issue with that. But we're talking about right now the man, the legend, the person that I did find things to admire about work ethic, uh, commitment to excellence, and a bunch of things I found out since he's died that he did in the community that I was unaware of. Um, again, at the end of the day, you had every opportunity to act ask this man about that while he was alive. You go to one of his best friends, ask her for an interview and blindside her. Much props to Lisa Leslie. Much props to Lisa Leslie. She handled it like a pro. She handled it the way she should have handled it. Uh, again, you got some people who knew this guy. This guy wasn't a, a, a recluse. He got out. He knew people. He crossed barriers. There's a picture of him hanging out with the dudes from Jackass where he literally jumps over this pool of snakes and dunks a ball. He literally got out and he did things. He gave over 200, uh, he granted over 200 uh, wishes for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. He's done so much that in, 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 the, in that scope of things that he knew people. And if these people knew him, they're going to respond personally. It's like, I, what gets me is everybody's acting like, because people are responding, who may have known him directly or indirectly communicated with him, like the ice cubes, the snoops and all of this, that it wasn't them. Why they tripping? And my thing is everybody on this thread right now, if you got a social media account and one of your boys pass away or one of your girls pass away and you see somebody on social media after his death or her death, before they even put them to rest, bringing up something they did 15 years ago, because everything since then has been stellar, bringing up something they did 15 years ago, over 15, 17 years ago, and trashing them 
while everybody's trying to commemorate and memorize them, you're going to go at them on social media. You're going to call them out on the bull crap. You're not going to sit there and it's going to be personal for you because you know that person or you, you've been around that person and you're going to feel like that's some kind of way. Me personally, I don't care. I don't go after my enemies after their death. There are people I can't stand that have passed away that I have said nothing negative about since they died. That's just me. That's just something you don't do. And this whole thing about her receiving death threats, don't condone that. I think that's way over the top. I think you have a right to get out there and say that's BS. You got a right to get out there and say, Gail, we've seen your work. We've seen your receipts. We've seen what you do. We've seen how you paint and push black men into the corner. But you won't come out and deal with the white men who are doing worse than the black men that you're pushing into the corner. Kobe Bryant has an accusation. That accusation was never proven. So from a criminal perspective, he's he's assumed innocent. It was never proven guilty. The case never even went to trial. He settled out of court for an undisclosed amount of money. That happens a lot just to get the thing out of the way so people can move on. Here's my thing. Let's take the worst case scenario, which I don't believe because as a uh, human behavior scientist, a person who deals with human behavior, rapists are not rapists because of sex. Rapists are rapists because of power. Whatever way they get it, they like having the power to take something that someone doesn't want to give to them. And their mechanism of enjoying that or entering into that is sex. But it is not about the sex. It's about the power. So it's a pattern. It happens over and over and over again. It's not a one time thing. There has never been anyone else that's come forth about this kid doing something like that to them before or after that accusation. Also, this woman was found to have two of them, at least two other men and maybe three other men's DNA inside of her at the same time of Kobe Bryant. That means that day she had been with those dudes. That's her business. I don't judge women on how they do. They, 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 they get out. But you have to look at that and say, OK, that's the type of person she is. So somebody that free all of a sudden having to be forced to give it up to a millionaire. Can it happen? Absolutely. A woman can say no. Say yes to a bum and say no to a millionaire. It can happen. I'm not that's I'm not making the argument. I'm saying what if the worst case scenario, he did it. It was 17 years ago. He has not done it since. At least nobody's accused him of it. He's done. He's he's grown. He's shown the ability to evolve and he's left the impact so huge that when it was announced that he died, it shook the world. That's where we're at right now. Let that ride. If you want to bring up some things about what that let that right, let those people bury their husband, bury their father, bury their son, bury their brother. Allow that to happen. Have that type of respect. And for those who say that I'm only doing this because I'm being a man defending a man again, you don't know me because I ate Mark Lamont's ass up when he went after Dr. Francis Crest Welsing uh, within a week after her death. And that's it. You know, what we have to understand is we are in a place, and this is about the whole Gale thing more than it is about Kobe, because I see some of the things popping up about Kobe and all of that. And, you know, how he dealt with his family or whatever. Number one is having been a former athlete and been around athletes all my life. 
And sometimes you do have to cut family off. And from what I heard, he didn't just cut his family off. He gave the same rules of engagement to her family. So whatever that is, it it, it is what it is. Uh, but some people that I talked to, that was a lot to it. And I'm not going to get into it. Uh, my thing is, like I said, personally, I was not uh, happy or thrilled with his choice as far as a wife. Uh, and that's me personally. Uh, I'm never going to love anything but a black woman. And I, I'm not one of those people who say that you can't control who you follow. I think that's BS because nobody's going out there accidentally falling in love with three-time felons and broke men and all that other stuff. You know exactly what you're capable of doing. Nobody's falling in love with women who have proven that they have nothing. So you you choose. You choose what you like. And then you, you open up the, 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 the group of people you're willing to deal with. And that's where you're going to find your mate. So you have control over who you fall in love with, uh, period. Uh, but now nah, I digress. Look, my whole thing is this. You don't get to throw a stone. And when stones start coming back, be, sit up and say, uh, sit up and say that, Exactly. You choose who you're going to be with. Exactly. Like I said, if you couldn't control who you fell in love with, uh, you see people falling in love with uh, people that are unattractive to them, people who have done things that they don't approve of, people who come from backgrounds they don't approve of, all these different things. You find something that you are attracted to. And you open yourself up to it. If you're not attracted to it, if it's not what you're looking for, you're close to it. You're not falling in love with something that you're not attracted to. It's period. And I'm going to move on for that. So that whole idea, you don't. And that's why brothers can't come to me with that. If you chose it, you, 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 you were open to it. I know that for a fact because I've been exposed to every type of woman that could possibly be with the career that I've had over my time. Never been with a white woman ever. And that was a time as an athlete when I was single that I was pretty out there. And yet never. I knew what I wanted and what I liked. And, and, and it's not a part of life I'm proud of, but that was one thing that I wasn't going to do. It's just never been in me. Nothing against them. They're not for me. Ain't no woman going to understand me like a black woman. No woman can give me what I've seen growing up but a black woman. And that's the love between my grandparents. That's a unique understanding and connectivity that they understand about the life they've had to go through and live because of their blackness. I relate to my blackness before I relate to anything else, religion or anything. My blackness is the first thing that I connect with when I wake up in the morning. And I don't want to share it with no one else but a black woman. And I'm going to be that way the rest of my life. But anyway, that's that was his choice. But we're not going to sit up and say he couldn't he couldn't choose differently because he could have. So that's the end of that. My thing is. What are we going to do about the people like Gail and Oprah that so many of us will relate to solely because they have things that we want? We live vicariously through people who have an elevated position over us. We've been taught and trained to do that and almost out of necessity have done it because that's as close to success as many of us are going to ever get. So the Jay-Z's, the, 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 the Oprah's and, 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 and all of these people who have this ultra wealth and ultra success, 
we look at them and we have this, the, the reason that R. Kelly was able to get away with the things he's done for so long is the success and the way we vicariously live through them. We automatically defend them. Another thing is because the black man, um, primarily the black man has been assaulted and attacked at every angle. We tend to want to pr pr protect those who find a little space and a little power. And if we don't really take the time to look at how they're using that space and power. And if it's really to benefit us, to mislead us or misguide us. And the thing we can look at hip hop, we can look at a number of other things within the media and we have to examine it and ask ourselves simply, are they really serving us or they're serving themselves? Or is our blind law to them actually serving us or serving them? And we have to be aware of the fact that as a rule, high black faces and high places have not served the black community well. If you look at it, the people who were really truly for the black, uh, black, black people didn't last long, didn't fit in well with the system, didn't align with white supremacy and, and set well. They were constantly under the gun, the Marcus Garvey's, the Malcolm X's. And when Martin switched over and became uh, economically aware of how things were going down and he switched and he started talking about uh, integrating his people into a burning house. He was he was quickly eliminated. You have to actually sit up and look at who has actually been an enemy of the state. And you will see it's not going to be the people who are way up here. It's the grassroots people who are on the ground fighting, the people who have the ability to move the people, touch the people, and actually care about the people. Look at the Black Panthers, um, you know, uh, from, from um, I mean, all of its leadership just Fred Hampton on down to uh, Bobby Seals and all the others. You know, you talk about Asada, uh, Secure, and, and, and Secure, and, and and all of those people who became enemies of the state. Those there are some still serving time. Those were people who were trying to do something right by the black community, actually serving the black community, creating our own political parties. Look at who the enemies have become. Look who's being invited into and given a seat at the table. A seat at the table isn't a good thing if you're a black person because the people at the table who control who sits at the table are going to always eat. They're always going to eat the best. They're going to always eat first. They're going to always eat and offer based off of what's going to benefit them. So when you see someone sitting at the table, it's because it's to the benefit of those who control the table. Always. It's those talking about building our own table that scares the shit out of the people at the table. Because what if one day their table becomes bigger than more stronger and more powerful, more influential, more fluid than ours? And it's possible. So we need to send these. We've let sit at the table over there to redirect that conversation about building a table. You don't build a table. What you do is we got a seat over at this table. You come over to this table, hang around the table and we're going to throw you the scraps. We're going we gonna to save some of this stuff for you. We're going to send you the scraps. We don't want you talking about building a table, so we're going to send them over there to stop you. And what you're going to do is you're going to see, by, they playing by our rules, got them way up here. They billionaires now. Your Dr. Dre's, your, 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 your uh, Oprah Winfrey's and all of these, they played by our rules and they're sitting at our table now. But with all that money, you can't create 
schools that actually teach our kids in our community with all that money. You can't sit up and build institutions that will fund black businesses in our community with all that money. You can't no, because that's not going to be allowed under the current administration, the current policies, the current rule, the current leaders and elite who sit at the table. The same thing with the black church. You can't be taking three hundred and twenty five million dollars a a month out of the black community nationwide. And then there not be any financial institutions to help empower the black community within that. All of the dollars that are coming in to revitalize are white dollars driving out black people. See, that, that, that doesn't line up. So what are we doing? We are sitting up trusting people. Because they say they can be trusted or because that we've been historically told that they can be trusted and that we haven't sit down and tr traditionally and historically tracked the track record of the church, the black church, the track record of black elite, the track record of black politicians, and to learn that none of them have served the black community. It is still the grassroots people that consistently come under fire and tires on the back. The last person I think about that totally broke my heart and we don't even talk about anymore is Darren Seals Ferguson. He was telling you how the game was being played. He was telling you how Black Lives Matter was being funded by George Soros and being pushed in to circumvent and usurp the true movement in Ferguson. That was grassroots down to the they were about to turn that city upside down. They came in and stole the momentum through Black Lives Matter that does nothing right now for black men being killed in the street, which was what that movement was about. It does nothing to service. It's more now about feminism and the LGBT community. Uh, uh, that the, the letters, I can't even get them right right now, that community, then it is about the dying of black men at the hands of police officers, police brutality, and the things that that actual movement was about. That's how the game is played. The real true fighters, they were pushed and moved underground. At least six or seven in Ferguson alone were killed. Starting with Darren Seals, true warrior, told the truth, truth to power. What they replaced him with, Sean King, Roland Martin, people that's sitting up talking, at the side of their necks, supporting a dim, a, 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 a dim uh, party that is totally disrupted, has nothing and done nothing but screw us. We know what the Republicans are for. So it's easy to see them coming a mile away. And we have a hatred and a vitriol for them like no other. But we see the Democrats and we automatically think they're for us. You know, they gave us our first black president who gave us absolutely jack. Oh, he did something for the LGBTQG whatever community. He did something for the Latino community. He literally spoke and set up and signed policies into place. So we know he did something for them. But he then he turned around. Our biggest concern at that particular time was how there was no retribution for our young black males being killed in the street. Uh, unarmed by police officers. Again, I state unarmed. So we're talking about people who should not be considered a threat being gunned down with people who should be trained on how to engage people and killing them. And there were no retribution. And what does he do? He signs the Blue Lives Matter bill into effect, which gave police even more power to shoot without thinking. And, 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 and so um, that is a part of it. So I'm, 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 my, my, my thing is we have to be aware of who we are, where we are, what we are and how things work. It is the grassroots movement. It's the people that you may not even know their name, that they're out there and they're doing this work. And you'll know their name after they've been killed. You'll know their name after they've been destroyed. 
Right. Thank you, Bloody Pawn Lives. Uh, exactly. And uh, I feel the same way, Trey Day 216, about Obama. Uh, you know, you have to trace the life. See, I'm a person who does a lot of reading and I, I do a lot of research. And the, literally, Obama was being tracked for president way back in the 70s as a kid. When he got to college, he was being visited by uh, Zygmunt Brzezinski and a CIA agent who I think was kin to his mother. It might have even been his grandfather. Uh, I, I, I got to go back and check that out. But his freshman year in college at his dorm, that's the kind of visits he was getting. This Brzezinski, Brzezinski who was literally uh, the man who was commissioned by David Rockefeller to start the Trilateral Commission back in 1972, uh, is the same person that shows up. Again, this Brzezinski, Brzezinski shows up in uh, in uh, graduate school with Barack Obama, ultimately becoming the person who would be one of his top advisors when he finally makes president. And to understand who Bezigno Brzezinski is, he's probably the greatest p p political mind, bar none, uh, that I've ever come across. He wrote a book called The Grand Chessboard that explains the entire makeup of how America moved from being a, a British co uh, colony into being the most powerful country on the planet. And how it's played and how Europe plays a role in all of this stuff. He's written a bunch of books, but this dude is uh, probably best known as the person who has predicted every president since he created the Trilateral Commission. Some of them, like Barack Obama, long before they ever declared that they were going to run for president. This is how the game is played. Something that uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, said in a 2009 uh, round table discussion was actually more like a square table. Some of the great mi black minds were there. And he stood up and said, long before Barack Obama was elected president, he was selected. And we have to understand that's how the game is played. It doesn't matter whether you're on the right wing, the Republicans or the left wing, the Democrats, both, both of those wings are attached to the same bird. And that bird has been shitting on black people since we got here. So if we're ever thinking that they're actually going to be the ones that's going to bring us what we need in the way of justice, we have to uh, recheck ourselves. So when it comes to people like Gail and Oprah, back to the original thought, they are doing what they have been positioned to do, to misinform, to miseducate, to mislead, to misguide, to disrupt and distract. A lot of us are living vicariously through them. And, you know, uh, we're, we're missing uh, what the greed that created their their wealth is doing to the impoverished because we just, we've been trained that you're going to be respected based off of what you have. So we're not looking to be impactful in any other way, but sit up and aspire to have what they have without taking into consideration and account what it took for them to have it and how many of us suffered for them to have it because of the way that they create the idea of light, lack through capitalism. There's no such thing as lack, but when you, practice capitalism unbridled, greed takes over, resources are hidden, and the idea is placed on the masses that the only way you can get what you need is to go to those who have the resources. But see, that's not true. But as long as you believe in the system, it's why we have votes in the first place. Votes are the litmus test of the elite that the masses still believe in the system as it is set up. And as long as the masses believe in the system as it is set up, they will continue Erlene, I would suggest that you look a lot more closely 
into that. And all you got to do is go Google the man who made Oprah a billionaire. The idea that anybody worked hard to become a billionaire. Billionaires are either flash in the pans like Jeff Bezos, which wasn't a flash in the plan. He worked hard to get Amazon where it is. But that's not done by one person. It's just not. You don't become a billionaire because you worked hard. You become a billionaire because you make the right connections. You make the right moves. You pull the right people in. And for the most part, there comes obligations with that. It's on a completely different level. And the thing is, if she was, even if she worked hard and it was all because of Oprah, nobody opened the door for her. I know different, but if it wasn't, uh, And in situation, uh, uh, hold on a second. I'm trying to keep up with some of this stuff. But bottom line is this: two point six billion. Again, we go back to where are the institutions in the black community to empower black people, like there are in the white community. You cannot sit up and say at this point. I need somebody to help me help when there's none, absolutely none, no black institutions, no institutions that are going to sit up and uh, provide what's necessary and needed for uh, black business owners so we can get a foot in the game. There's a lot of misleading of what you can do to go get it or sending you over here or getting you caught up into this. We caught up in all type of entertainment. We're caught up into the entertainment. We're caught up into all of that. That's what we're caught up into. And we're missing the fact that you've got 2.6 billion. Plus, if you got 2.6 billion, you got access to at least another 100 people who've got millions to give. You literally have the ability to create a mechanism that can empower back people and usher them out of poverty. With that kind of loop, that kind of connections. And so that is exactly what I'm talking about. When you've got that kind of money, you have the ability to do some unbelievable things, not just with your money, with so many other people's money who will gladly connect with you and share with you if you sit up and say that's what you want to do. I've seen people with a whole lot less do a whole lot more. So when I see that and I can't see your connection, but I see you consistently having a one sided approach to how you're dealing with men where white men are obviously doing something that you're not going to call them on it because they're your buddies and you're going against the low hanging fruit. I say low hanging fruit because it's not that she's just going after black men. It's when they're at their lowest, like Michael Jackson was dead. Kobe's dead. Uh, R. Kelly is broke. Now, all these people were allegedly doing things long before this. And nobody, again, Gail had interviews and spent time with Kobe and his family. Never brought it up. Never, ever brought it up. Until he's gone, he can't defend himself. He can't offer an alternative to any accusations that are being thrown out. And now other people are left to defend his honor. And it was tacky. It was distasteful. And it had a specific stunch to it. And there's no way to get around that. And that's and like something else I was told growing up. And my, my grandparents, while they didn't have a lot of scientific 
evidence to back up what they said, it turns out the more and more I learn about human behavior from a scientific perspective and get some understanding. They were on. They maybe didn't know how or why, but they knew something that they used to. I was always told you can know a person by the company they keep. Oprah's Gail's best friend. Oprah's done it just like Gail has done it. Oprah's billions doesn't erase or excuse her from having a responsibility that we hold everybody else to because she's reached a certain level and she's been pulled in and she sits at the table does not give her an excuse or a release from her responsibility to our people. Are we now sitting up saying there is no responsibility It's every man for himself? It's that simple. You either go, we got a whole people that we've grown fond of accountable. We got to stop. Sitting up because you're this person, we're going to let you ride. That's how R. Kelly got as far as he got. That's how Bill Cosby got as far as he got. When we see somebody doing something that is not going to be conducive to the betterment of the whole, we need to hold them accountable. If Oprah was going to battle for us, if every time you looked up, Oprah was embroiled with the white system, them because she's sitting up doing something they don't like and she's doing it for our people, then we we right there riding with her. But when we sit up and we look and we can't find one institution that you put into our community that's empowering us, one way that you've shown us and helped us stop gentrification across this nation, when we look up and Harlem doesn't look anything like it used to look, the things that, I mean, literally has so much historical value to our culture, to our history, to our perseverance in this country is rapidly disappearing. And there are people out there like her who could stop it and they aren't. So who do they identify with? Oprah identifies with her wealth more than her blackness by far. Look at who she hangs out with. She's got way more selfies with Harvey Weinstein than she has with anybody else. And that's it. We can't talk about the current condition of black America without talking about how it got that way. You can't talk about the symptoms symptoms of violence and poverty and sickness without talking about how it was socially constructed. Earlene, baby, stop making excuses for this woman. You choose like your mate who you're in business with and you can't be that connected with somebody and not know what they're doing. You cannot sit up there and say, I know this dude, I'm in business with him, and I did not know he was doing this, especially especially when there's mounting evidence that you not only knew that you had a role in it. We've got to stop standing up and defending people that haven't showed us any love. Who was Oprah when she was on and running and had the number one talk show in the world for like 15, 20 years? Who was she catering to? It wasn't black women. It was white middle class women. Either she knew it early and either she knew and she did nothing or she didn't know. That's the only thing. There's no in between. There's no other reason. Whether she was his friend, whether she was in business with him, you see pictures with her. These are very intimate pictures and poses. I mean, hundreds of them. They've been around each other that much. This isn't I know him casually. I did a business deal with him once. 
This is somebody I talk to regularly. And you can't tell me at that level of discernment, when you are that high up in the game, you don't see stuff coming a mile away. You have to, or people will take you. You know what you're seeing. You know what you're looking at. You know how the game is played. This game has been played that way in Hollywood and in media for years. You don't get in that game and not know what these men are doing. You make up in your mind where you're going to fit in and get in at. That, this is not anything new. This isn't something. It's just coming to a head. Social media is making it easier for people to state their, their, their complaints and be heard. This has been going on. This has been going on long before I was born 52 years ago. This ain't nothing new. This is something that has absolutely been taking place. And the bottom line is we want to give her a pass because she's a billionaire. Because that's the only thing we got from her, from us, for us, from her, from us, for us. She's a black woman who became a billionaire. So a lot of black women are going to look at her. And see, and see aspirations and a bunch of other stuff. But the bottom line is I judge my people about how they're carrying themselves with my people, period. Show me where she's doing this stuff. And don't tell me about the schools in Africa because all kind of crap going on with that. Again, below the surface, we've been taught to take what the media gives us on the surface as truth. That's how they've controlled not just blacks, whites, everybody else is controlled by the images of media. If you don't take time to break that down and look underneath it, you'll be told and you'll be led to believe things about people that don't exist. Bill Clinton, before Barack Obama, was the black people's president, and he's responsible for so much destruction. Linda B. Johnson was another beloved. He, just, he was part of the policies that broke down the black family. Over and over again, because the media put something in front of us, we take it without examining it and we don't get the full picture, period. The bottom line is, I can show you, I've sit up and talked about on this particular episode, multiple things that this woman has did that's been destructive to the black community. Multiple things she could have been, could have been doing that would have been beneficial to the black community, but she has chosen not to do. And we're still finding a way to give her a, a pass. Either she's been wrong or she's been right. There's no in-between on this. You're either pro-black or you're not. She's pro-wealth. And her friendships and her alliances show it. There are going to be some distinctions and some breakups, and you will see relationships. Pay attention to the relationships that she has with wealthy black people and how they're starting to be strained. Just pay attention to it. That's happening. Learn how human behavior behaves because you got some wealthy people, black people who are trying to do something different, who are trying to create opportunities, who are trying to open doors in different ways and take some of the power away from the white media power structure and watch how their relationships are being strained with Oprah as they do it. At some point, we have to sit down and look at the facts. The facts state what they state. Bottom line is I'll give you one more and then I'm done. I'm done with it. I'll give you one more. A lot of people are saying they're trying to distinguish Gail from Oprah. And so they're saying, I disagree with what Gail did. It was wrong. And, but, you know, that's not Oprah. But you got Oprah on multiple shows now and on video defending it, standing up for and defending it. So she is connected to it. She didn't come out and say that was probably a bad move, you know, uh, 
I'm surprised she did it. I, I don't condone it. But she's my friend. She's my girl. I'm going to stick with her. But I don't condone it. No. She's coming out making her out to be the victim. She's not sleeping. She's been crying and she's not sleeping. Well, when you sit up and throw a stone, it's a possibility somebody's going to throw one back. Or maybe you offend a bunch of people and they all pick up a stone and throw it back. That's when you get out on the. Every time I do a, a, a video, I know that at any moment I can get pushed back. When I did the video a couple of years ago about the uh, prancing elites, the gay dudes in Atlanta that was had their own show uh, because they were going around doing drills and stuff uh, that females do. And I addressed how that's impacting the black male image. Didn't attack them. I don't attack black people. If you see, I try not to, I'm going to call a spade a spade, but I'm not, if you're gay, you're gay. I love you. I don't agree with it, but I love you. I'll stand with you and ain't nobody going to come against you because you're black. I'm always going to identify with the black. I'm going to go to war for some black people done some shit that they shouldn't have done. But I'm not going to throw you to the wolves because they're not doing it with theirs. And we need you. If we can save you, if we can get you turned around, I'm with you. Now, if you don't want to turn around and you don't want to save yourself, you don't want to help. I can't deal with you. I don't got that type of energy. But I'm that person. But I put it out there. I got all kind of hit back. I got every time I say something about feminizing black men, the gay community come eat me up. It's I've got to expect that if I'm going to make that stand. I've got to expect that. I've got to expect that if you're going to go out and attack a man that that's beloved, that is that beloved in a time where it should just be quiet and calm, expect the pushback. It's that simple. I'm not saying you didn't have a right to do it. You obviously had a right to do it. You did it. What I'm saying is you can't throw a stone and then expect to cry foul when people retaliate. You don't get to choose how someone retaliates to feeling violated by something you did. And when you in the whole thing is the same way people live vicariously through Oprah. They lived vicariously through Kobe. So when you attack him, they are going to take it personal. They're in their feelings. About that. My thing is, I know the bigger picture. This isn't an assault on Kobe for me. It's an assault on any black man with any type of virtue put on any type of high pedestal or platform that you can look at and black boys can aspire to. All the people that we are allowed to praise now, when they died, they were maligned. My, my, Malcolm and Martin were hated more than they were loved. Yeah, you had black people following them, but the vast majority of this country hated them. They became, after they were dead and gone, they couldn't, you know, then you start to get a little bit different view of, uh, of Martin. Look, I could talk about this all day, and I don't have all day. All day. My thing is this. If you're not contributing to the betterment of black people, then find you some space. But when you step into the realm of what we're deal dealing with and what we're living and you are wearing your black face and you are appearing to be a part of what we are, but yet you turn around and you do like she did. I don't believe in death threats because I don't think I think that there are times people deserve death. I think when you harm a black woman or a black child, you deserve death. All the, and I, It doesn't matter what color you are. If you harm a black woman or a black child, you deserve death. Period. That's to me, 
until you place a consequence with negative actions, you're going to consistently get negative actions. That's no such thing in that system that has to do anything with morality. Absolutely nothing to do with morality. Don't forget to support us. I put the link up there one more time. Look, hey, absolutely unequivocally, it was wrong. I don't agree with the death threats. I'm not going to be a black man that's going to openly call a black, well, call a black woman out of her name, period. There's sometimes some women that did some crazy stuff personally that it came across my mind, but there's something about me that won't let me say that. Something about me that won't let me call a black man a coon, you know, uh, address It's just something about me. Not that I ain't thinking you're a race traitor, that you're a sellout. I'm just not going to call you that word, uh, a derogatory word from a black man to another black man. I'm not going to call a woman out of her name, no matter what she's doing or how she's behaving. I am just not going to do that. And I teach my boys at Black Man Lead, my sons, my live biological sons, the same thing. We don't talk to women that way. We don't handle women that way. I don't care what they're doing. We're not going to handle them that way. Don't mean we're going to let them in our lives and let them destroy what we got, but we're not going to handle them that way. We're not going to talk to a woman that way. We're not going to put our hands on a woman. If she is in a situation where she's got you that riled, you need to get away from it. But we're not going to put our hands on a woman. We're going to be the source of our women's protection. We're going to be the source of our women's edification. And a lot of people have used that um, as a way of attacking people who have called Gail out too. You know, because we just had that girl dad thing going last last week. A week, I think it was last week where everybody's taking pictures with their daughter or sharing selfies with their daughters and everything in this dad week. And they're like, okay, we just did this and now we're bashing black women. No, we are bashing a black race traitor. If it would have been a dude, it would have been the same thing. We probably harsher. But we're coming out. It has nothing to do with women. Like I said, I've stood up for Dr. Wilson. I stood up. Matter of fact, go check my videos. It's plenty of videos of me going hard in the paint for black women. So I've earned the right to call a black woman out when she's doing something she should not be doing. And so that's it. And again, I've never called for anything negative to happen. I didn't even call for her to be fired. I didn't call for her anything. I just called her out. That was some BS. It was wrong. All the other stuff, those are people doing what they think. I don't agree with the death threats. But again, like I said at the beginning of this episode, there are people that are threatening actors for a role they played in a show or a movie that they didn't like what they did. So you think they won't come after her for this? There are people who are just that either ignorant, angry, frustrated, uh, people who do that a lot are also people who are emasculated. They lack power. They don't have a power to really influence a lot. So their 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 frustration goes to, I'm going to kill you. I don't know. I don't have any other lever to get you to do what I want outside the threat of killing you. I don't have any other power to exercise, but I could just pop up on you anyway and kill you. That is what a lot of people will do when they don't have power. When you have power, you use the power. And that's what they've been doing against us, using the power. My whole thing is, as far as calling her out for a BS and giving her the business and telling her, you know, you know, that was sloppy, that was mean spirited, that was damn near evil. It, 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 you know, 
why didn't you sit up and ask him when you were doing all those interviews with him and his family uh, while he was alive? Why did you wait till he was dead to bring this up to a friend of his who's obviously grieving at the time? Why? You know, I think you get to ask that question when you're in the media or uh, any part of fame and popularity. You, you get to do stuff that you want to do, but you also get the whys. You don't have to answer them, but you're going to get the whys. And that's what this is. This is a why would you do some shit like that? Period. It's that simple. Why? And then it exposes you for who you are, because nobody who's really sitting, sitting up there, I don't care where you're at. If you really, truly have a love for your people are going to do that. Nobody with any sense of decency would do that. Again, I expect it from white supremacy. They've never considered us to be equal footing with them as humans. They consider us to be animalistic. They consider us to be naturally and instinctively and inherently criminalistic. They handle us that way. It's important for us to be seen that way. That's why he's having this attack on his image. Is he need, We need you to see the primitive side of him. We can't have him being this pristine. So we're going to break it down and we're going to go back to this one time. And we're going to keep hammering it until it sets into the psyche of the people and it sort of diminishes him. We can't have him looking as close to perfect. And nobody's perfect. Nobody's close to perfect. But you, you got somebody like that and people are remembering just the good. And oh no, we can't just remember the good. This is a black man. We can't have that. The idea of a black man being a father, being a husband, being a business owner, being more than a dumb jock. Can't have that. Somebody that took control of their business and financial career early in life can't have it. You know, one of the people that were not going to be of that 72 percent that's going to go broke three years after they retire can't have that. We got an idea of the athlete. We can give them money, but they're going to blow it to give it back. We can't have one that's actually building and earning more than he was earning as an athlete. Can't do that. We got to dirty it. We got to dirty the water. We got to stop that. And I have no problem with people calling out anybody. I get called out even when I'm right. I expect it. This is what I do. I sit up and I share what I learn. I give my opinion based off of my experiences and my acquired knowledge. And not everybody's going to agree with it. And when I came to you guys years ago, I told you I wasn't here to be popular. I wasn't here to be liked. I wasn't here for all the shares and the viral content. That's why it took so long to build that other channel to where it was. It's because I came correct and I came back. And when I found myself in a situation where I was corrected and I saw where I was wrong, I came back and I apologized. I have no problem with admitting I don't know everything and that I'm still learning and I'm sharing what I learned. But I know because of this little space that I've created for myself to share with my people, I'm also a target that people are going to hold me accountable for what I say, that people are going to come at me because they don't like what I say, even if what I said is true. That's what we have to sit up and be aware of. And it is what it is. The bottom line is we have so much work to do in way of research. People like me are not appreciated. People like me are not really truly respected for the work we do. Because for every layer that you see in media that you call your reality, there are a hundred layers below it that tell you the truth. A lot of us are literally dealing with one another based off of falsality, 
based off of erroneous narratives that have been presented to us by way of media. How we view each other as black men and, white, and black women are completely different from the truth in the narrative. Most black men don't marry black women. Most successful black men don't marry black women. But those are the ones that are paraded in front of us. So now we have a notion that when a black man get a little piece of money, he marries a white woman. When the truth of the matter is 88 percent of black men are married to black women. 88 percent of black married black men are married to black women. That's the truth. We're, we're given the idea that black men are the most destructive and hateful force against black women and we don't love black women and that uh, there's no danger or force to us when the truth is that 25% of black women have experienced domestic violence, but 20% of black men have. While the injuries go up for women, which it could be for obvious reasons, a man is more physically capable of harming a woman than a woman, a man, but also a man is less likely to report it than a woman. We see that Actually, we've got a problem on both sides. We've both been taught to be violent as a as a mechanism for when we don't get what we want. We've been taught to strike out. We we grew up in homes where our parents hit us when we didn't do what they said. Do. What do you expect is going to happen? Am I making an excuse? No, but I'm saying that the reality as of what's being presented versus what's really going on is completely different. If you don't take the time to look, you're going to take your view and your view is going to become the only reality that matters. And it's not going to be complete. I don't get to just chase what I believe. I have to chase the truth. And oftentimes I am forced to look at realities that I had no idea existed. But that's the truth. The truth is what's going to empower us. Not what we say is happening to us or who's doing it, but the truth. You can't talk about the incarceration rate of black men without understanding that the social construct and social engineering blacks into poverty is automatically going to increase criminality because criminality becomes a way of survival in poverty, in poverty, penology, one-on-one criminology, one-on-one impoverished areas are going to be more crime ridden regardless of race. So we heard black people into poverty. We automatically know at some point in order to eat and survive, in order to have things that they want in life, they're going to go out and do things. It's that simple. If we take away jobs, if we de-industrialize areas that was once industrialized where the average black man could go get a job, whether he had a college degree or not. And now we sit up and we minimize that we're going to automatically create situations. Am I sitting up saying that that's an excuse? No, I'm saying you have to understand that nothing happens in a vacuum. And we have a problem of looking at things through a vacuum. We got a problem of hating our own people because we've been told a story about them without having all of the context. We are not lazy. We worked at historically worked from five uh, uh, from sun up to sundown. There are actually bodies discovered discovered in some plantations where you can see where the slaves literally worked so hard that they had detached their muscles from their bones. They literally had detached muscles from working so hard. You got to understand the historical set. You got to understand the epigenetic influences of our experiences that we're literally passing down trauma genetically. And then the epigenetic experience in the environmental sense that after we have been passed down this trauma from our parents, that we are now experiencing more trauma that is triggering disease in our body. That's triggering mental illness in our in, in our in, in our in, in our bodies and minds. 
until we understand the complete capacity of what we've experienced and how it's impacting us now, we're going to easily accept all of the crap that's thrown at us and being told that it's all on us. It's all on us to fix it, but we didn't get here by accident or by happenstance. That's not how we got here. And so we've got to be a lot more aware of where we at, what we're doing. That right there is huge. I'm telling you for everything that you see that you're getting an image of, this is what's really happening. There are layers underneath it that show a whole different picture, a different reality. And we are judging one another off of what they are purposely feeding us to control our thinking. You need to understand propaganda and how it works. Period. On that note, look, I'm going to get out of here. Like I said, don't forget to support the work that we're doing at the Odyssey. I'll tell you one more time. Don't forget to support us with the work we're doing. Black Man Lead, Rite of Passage Initiative, the Restoring Ghettos Forgotten Daughters, uh, work we're doing with traumatized young women. Uh, a lot of it's been done by my, my, my wife uh, for girls who are detained in detention facilities as minors, uh, youth facilities. Uh, we're doing work in the community together. Uh, obviously, I do work inside and outside and every other way you can possibly with the Black Men Lead. That's from ages four to 30. Uh, young Black males, right of passage and beyond. And we're doing that. We're also really working hard right now to build uh, a network of mental health resources for young black males. Uh, we have too many of our young males hurting themselves and hurting others, and we're not doing enough about it. That's something that we are definitely. And we need your support. Uh, and, 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 and just thank you guys for stopping by. <clears throat> we got so much we need to be doing. Uh, we got so much work on that note. I'm checking out of here. Uh, once again, thanks you guys. Thanks for those of you who will support us. I'm out. <laughs>